Happy holiday season. That's right. It's the Bass Edge Christmas edition coming at you from the warm shores of Lake Amistad and the frozen tundra of Table Rock Lake. That's right. And as we are setting our New Year's resolution, I am going to make the suggestion we are banning all jingles leading into the Bass Edge radio program. But you know what? <laughs> With that, I failed to mention Bass Edge Radio, brought to you by MegaWare Keelguard. Protect your boat from grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete boat ramps. Be sure to visit them at keelguard.com. Aaron, I'm shedding a tear, but at the same time, I've got a big old smile. Our last episode for 2015. Let's push this thing right to the next level. Bass Edge Radio begins now. know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio. In three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing. Coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. Hey, Kurt, you had me a little worried there on that uh, last comment of, you know, shedding a tear, big smile on your face, didn't know if you just got out of the bathroom, you know, bowel movement or kind of where that was going, but you, you, <laughs> you recovered well. Well, I did. And, uh, you know, the reason I'm shedding a tear, obviously, our last show for uh, 2015, man, it's been a freaking crazy fast year, but uh, lots of fun nonetheless. I think probably we had some of our most interesting interviews this year, I might say. I mean, we've had some awesome shows in the past, but man, this year I thought we kind of rose the bar a little bit and Bass Edge Radio has really taken off. Our Twitter page is going really strong and got a ton of followers there. Our, our Facebook page is hanging in there. Love getting the uh, feedback from all the listeners and it's the holiday season too. There's a lot of emotion going on, Aaron. There is. I got to get my shopping done. I got to make the wife happy. We're going on a road trip. I mean, there's just tons of stuff going on this time of year. No question. You know, I, I agree with you. It's kind of amazing. And I think it's Kurt because we're getting up there in age, right? You know, we've, we're well into our 40s now. And of course, you and I are both the same age. But uh, it's amazing how things tend to speed up. You know, I don't know, warp speed. I'm, I'm starting to sound like my dad. So now I digress. But you're right. For those that uh, still have the shopping yet to do, 
be sure to get out there and get it done. Certainly visit the Bass Edge webpage as you can pick up some of the DVDs and certainly the new Lucas Oil products, that book from Jay McNamara, Psychology of Exceptional Fishing of Starting Your Year Off Right. But how about you, Kurt? Are you done with the shopping or where are you sitting on that? Nah, dude, I usually start 48 hours, you know, when that clock starts to tick. That's when I really kick it into gear. I start kind of doing some mental preparation at this point. Yeah, as far as being done, and not going to happen. But the cool thing is this year, I'm actually headed to Virginia in a couple days. So I'm uh, really happy to go spend some time up there. Probably won't do much fishing, being that I've been living down the south for the last eight or nine years. I've gotten used to the warm weather, and I'm not really into going fishing when it's sub 40. That's kind of my cutoff point. Wow, man, that's when the big fish bite. Don't you know anything? That's like when it's fun. Well, right? You know, that is a rig season, right? It's it's when the a rig shines. You know what? It's probably my least favorite bait on the planet. So um, I've been fortunate to catch some good ones on that, but uh, I'm more of a jig jerk bait kind of guy. You know, yeah. Highland Reservoirs, we have the opportunity to throw some spoons, do some of that type of stuff, but I'd much rather get out there and do the twitch twitch pause and wait for one to yank the rod out of my hand well i'm right down that alley too i just like to do a warmer climate so that's why i moved down south but hey it's all good you know what the cool thing is santa still comes here just like he does up north but let's move on before we get into uh conversations that shouldn't be spoke of here on bass edge radio (laughs) we got a cool guest in the house today he's a lot of fun and might be able to give you a couple last minute shopping ideas too so uh let's get this angler on the line but air i almost forgot right before we get the angler online we've got our uh, protect the harvest pro tip let's see what we can dig up for these wintertime anglers i'm sure somebody's gonna have a great pro tip from protecttheharvest.com first by land and now by sea for years lucas oil has been a staple in high performance vehicles on both the road and track Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. The Edge Pro Tip segment is brought to you by ProtectTheHarvest.com, keeping our traditions alive for future generations. Fishing Cold Water Current with Greg Vinson. Greg, how do bass relate to current in cold water temperatures? One thing you want to keep in mind with bass in cold water is their metabolism. You know, in, in cold water temperatures, I would say, you know, anything below 55 degrees, a lot of times the fish still want to utilize the current where the food is coming to them. They're certainly going to hide behind any kind of object that can break the current where they're not have to burn a lot of calories, if you will, just to get a meal. So they're going to sit behind a rock a lot of times or a stump or something like that, but the water's flowing by. One thing that I've found in our region of the country is the fish may not position in the direct strongest current that's available like they would, say, in the summertime or early fall. They might move back downstream or just outside the mouth of a cut where they have a little bit of secondary current. Similar depths and things like that, but I like to use a either a swim bait on a V-lock swim bait head from fish head or a fish head spin with a net bait little spanky on it, and uh, I'll slow roll that bait on the bottom and try to bump that piece of cover that 
that's producing that eddy that the fish are hiding behind. And once you bump that piece of cover, you might want to slow your presentation down and, and they'll engulf it. Um, but I do like to keep my bait close to the bottom when the water temperatures get really cool. That's the Edge Pro Tip from ProtectTheHarvest.com. Thanks, Greg. Thank you. More Bass Edge in 30 seconds. Two fishermen came together with one agenda. To construct bass boats superior in design and build with a flawless finish with our boats exhilarating handling and smooth ride extreme rough water just doesn't exist we're not just building a boat we're building a legend legend boats and now more of the edge with aaron and kirk if you have some hip anglers in your house, this guy is probably becoming part of your Walmart shopping list. Putting a little northern flavor into the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight, Bass Edge welcomes BASS Elite Angler and MLF Selects competitor Fletcher Shyrock to the studio. Thanks for taking some time to be with us today, Fletch. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me on, guys. Glad to be here. You know, Fletcher, kind of when I think of Ohio, I can't say I quite put that in the epicenter of bass fishing, but, you know, I know you've got some beautiful smallmouth, those brownies up there. How in the world did you get into the sport of competitive fishing at this level? You know, it's funny. There's really hardly anywhere around the house that I can go to that has very many fish in there at all. And, and when I do go fishing, I'll take a trip up to Lake Erie. I live about two and a half hours from Lake Erie. And a lot of guys think I live a lot closer and I fish up there all the time. But I mean, I'll take trips up there because there's literally like hardly any good fishing around where I'm from. And when I got started fishing, basically, I mean, a lot of people know I used to race motocross. I'd actually raced AMA, Supercross, and Motocross Nationals against Ricky Carmichael, James Stewart, Ryan Villapoto. Never was good as those guys, but competed in the same races with those guys for a few years. And around 2009, I had a shoulder injury. The exact same weekend I got the shoulder injury, I went out and bought a small nitro boat. And uh, <laughs> I'd always fish when I was a kid. Whenever I could do a report at school, I would always do that report on fishing. You know, I was huge into it. I wanted to be like Bill Dance, you know, Jimmy Houston. I used to watch all the shows, watch all the old bass masters with Bob Cobb. And as a young kid, that's really what I wanted to do up until I switched over to race the motocross. So when I bought that boat, it was easy for me to transition back to fishing. And I had thought that I was just going to, you know, take the boat out every now and then I was going to get the shoulder fixed and he was going to go back and get ready for Supercross in the fall and I screwed up by signing up for local tournaments around the house <laughs> on all the little lakes around the house you know it takes five to eight pounds usually eight pounds would be a big bag to win a tournament but I got hooked man. I mean I was fishing tournament thing within two weeks of buying the boat I couldn't move my shoulder off my side because I've been dislocated and I hadn't made it you know in to get surgery yet and uh, I got the bug then and that, so that was the spring of 2000 nine I pretty much spent every day on the water that I possibly could 2009-2010 which still isn't very much considering our winter here 2011 I signed up for the Bassmaster Southern Open in Florida I did well really fast fishing against the local stuff at home my buddies are still like you know after two years like really you're going to go throw your money away at a Bassmaster tournament are you kidding me like yeah whatever you know not, it wasn't like I had a bunch of money but I just wanted to try it went to uh Toho in Florida first Southern Open, nervous as could be, no clue what I was doing. Went down there and got like 160-something place. Thought that was going to be it. I, should, I shouldn't say I had no clue, but I had very little clue, especially you take a northern guy, put him in Florida for the first time. I was pretty clueless. I mean, I had my chances in that tournament, but it overall was a pretty uh, miserable fail. 
So driving home, I said, well, that's that. I'm not doing that anymore. And next up leading up was Lake Norman, Southern Open in March. And one of my best friends talked me into that event, like right before it was too late to sign up. I ended up having to pay a late fee to sign up. I signed up for that event. I figured it would be more of what I'm used to, fishing around home, boat docks, lay down trees, things like that. I mean, it's not Florida. And I went there and won that event. You bet, man. I remember that event, man. That was like, hello, Fletcher. I mean, it was like, came out of nowhere. It was like, who's this cat? He runs way up the river, jacks like <laughs> yes. 15, 16, 17 pounds. Dude, I fished that event. I remember that. And I was like, what's, what's going on right here? <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's exactly how it went. And then after that, I was on cloud nine. And I don't know if there'll be ever a time that replaces that. Like everyone has told me, oh, your next win, or hopefully I win again, will be better, you know. But at that point in my life, that was so surprising and so unexpected. I didn't know anybody at the tournament. That's like I, starting behind the starting gate. You remember in the old qualifying motocross days, right? <laughs> yeah. You've got Carmichael in front backwards. of you. Yeah, and you draw the right. clothespin where you're starting backwards and you got to get on your bike and catch everybody else and you come back and beat him. Yeah, basically that's how it was. I don't know if there's ever going to be anything that's going to replace that feeling that I had that week at that event. So it was definitely pretty cool to pull that off. And then even past that, you know, I really put my head down after that because I know a lot of people was like, oh, wow, that kid just got really lucky. You know, and I wanted to prove that it wasn't, even though it was luck. Uh, I didn't have to get lucky to win that tournament. I wanted to prove that there was more than that. I think that year I finished three out of the six Opens in the top 12. I qualified for the Bassmaster Elite Series to the Northern Opens, made the top five in points, and that was in a Southern Open in which I won. So ended up just being a really good year. Actually, I think I fished better that year with very, very limited experience than what I am fishing today. It's kind of hard to figure all that out because I really didn't know what I was doing, but I just put a whole lot of work into it and went with my gut all the time instead of going off history and what I'm supposed to be doing like I do now. It's like you start thinking too much, right? I mean, back then you didn't know what to think, so you just did what became natural and, and kind of what you felt like the next move should be. With more experience and more experience, you start thinking about, well, this is how it should go. Maybe I should try this or it could be this. And then all of a sudden your brain is just all fumbled together. <laughs> well, don't you think, Fletcher, it's instinct as well? I mean, you know, look at your motocross days and I used to actually ride motocross so I'm, I'm a little bit familiar but you know when you're going off a jump you cannot doubt if you're going to make that jump and let off the gas any whatsoever or you're going to land up short right right and, and don't right. you think when you know kind of what Kurt was talking about that reckless abandonment of just going out and just doing it versus reading all the books and like Kurt said well the weather's doing this so the fish should be doing that right and then the stakes are higher too like whenever me and Kurt fish now I'm sure he could say the same thing his stakes are higher in the game and at the time for me I had nothing to lose like fishing even even my first year on the elite was excellent compared to my last few three years that i've had past my first and i think like you said it's just kind of that reckless not that i even considered it reckless but looking back on it it kind of was i didn't really know what i was supposed to do but i was willing to do whatever and didn't really know one way or the other i just went with what the fish would tell me to do and things would happen and i haven't had too many tournaments where i look back where things just happen to fall into place you know you put yourself in position for things to fall into place. So there's definitely something there. I'm trying to look back at the past a little bit and try to bring some of that back moving into 2016. Yeah, for sure. Man, it's so cool to hear how people got their roots in this in this game. And it's always fun that everybody seems like they have that moment in time that says, I got you, you know, and it kind of grabs you and then you just can't let go and you have to keep following the sport. And it's neat to hear, you know, as far as you deciding to go ahead and move to the Elite Series, is there any correlation between what you were doing in motor 
across like sponsor wise or kind of facilitating any kind of media to be able to fund your passion in motocross? Is, is there any crossover to how fishing works too? Or how does that line up? As far as the sponsors, my take has probably been a different route than a lot of the other anglers have taken. Like with racing, it was one of the deals where you went out and you performed and if you was going to get a deal, they would come to you. Like you didn't go knocking on the factory semi. I didn't walk up to Team Green, Monster Energy, Kawasaki, knock on their door and ask if I could get a ride. They knew who was burning up the lap times and whatever. So it was one of the deals they came to you. So I never did a whole lot of pursuing sponsorships. I was fortunate. My dad had run a successful business and we covered basically all of it out of our pocket. I mean, we would get deals and we'd get free parts and sure. things like that here and there, but it was never, you know, a factory team. I think we'd come about as close as you could be without having a factory team. And that was another reason why it was a good idea to quit. It wasn't even that you couldn't afford the equipment. You just couldn't get the best stuff without right. having that inside team knowledge. So that whole deal with the sponsorships was kind of me coming into fishing, considering that I had won that Open and I had done well in a few other events in the Opens that year. I think I made like $75,000 my first year with BASS Fishing Open. That's a good kickstart. I just, yeah, that was a really good kickstart. So I really, my first year on the Elite Series, by the time I sold my boat, I paid for my entry fees for the following year. And then the following year, you know, I made the Bassmaster Classic and then I caught them pretty decent. I think I made four or five checks my first year on the elites. And then slowly but surely, I had True Fishing come to me with an offer for a title sponsor deal with Spiderwire. That helped me get through year two. Everything has kind of came to me the same way I wanted it to come to me with racing, and it didn't. Now, every sponsor that I have has kind of fell in my lap instead of me pursuing them. I know that's kind of backwards, but I feel like it's worked out best because I have the best sponsors, I feel personally, that I could ever imagine having, you know, in the fishing industry that fits me and who I am. Well, congratulations. So, I mean, I got to believe that you did your time in the motocross, you know, in the halls of that, because you're exactly right. It is a little bit backwards, but you also put your time in, you know, out there trying to be a privateer against the big boys. Yeah, that was difficult. So that kind of leads where I, I wanted to go with my next question, actually. And uh, you started talking a little about your sponsor stuff. And in the opening, I referred to, you know, maybe some Walmart shopping lists this winter might have your name on them. <laughs> Let's talk about that a little bit. There's a lot of products that you've got going out there. Tell us exactly what's going on as far as how your sponsorships are working and then this line of products that you got and, and what's available. That's probably been my biggest blessing is the fact that the guys at Walmart came up to me, I think 2013 at the Bassmaster Classic. I wasn't fishing in the Bassmaster Classic. I was actually working in the booth, just working for my sponsors because I wasn't involved. They still came up and was interested in doing a product line with me. Thought it would be cool to use the orange, you know, my main color is orange and use that to uh, right. promote some products. We started out kind of slow and then it really started taking off. We moved forward with uh, sunglasses, a rod and reel combo. Abu Garcia rod and reel combo that has my signature on it. We got three pairs of spider wire sunglasses. I also have some Eagle Claw treble hooks, which you should check them things out. Them things are pretty sick. They're Eagle Claw, EWG, short shank treble hooks for sale at Walmart. They're 444 for 15 of them. Uh, I don't know if you guys nice. familiar with some of the other trebles yeah. you buy. I mean, they're pretty pricey. And these things are good hooks. You definitely want to check those things out. And I also got to work with another company that creates tackle bags and tackle boxes and created my own uh, Fletcher Shryock tackle bag too. So it's <laughs> definitely sweet. been 
pretty cool to see all that come about. You know, I kind of look at it and I know where I came from and how fast everything has happened for me. So when I walk down the aisle at Walmart, which I do all the time, I'm always checking stores just to see right, who's right. got what, you know. And I you walk bet. down that aisle, it's a crazy feeling to see a product in there with my name on it. Words can't describe sometimes how cool that is. That is awesome. Actually, I saw a post recently, I think it was on uh, Jay Kumar's Bass Blast where you were showing off those glasses. It might have been a couple weeks ago. That was some cool stuff, and, and I can certainly see where that's going to hit the shopping lists. Hey, we've just got about 10 or so days before Christmas is here, so make sure everybody run out there to uh, your local Walmart and pick you up some of that Fletcher Shryock gear. That's very cool. That'd be awesome. We're working on uh, transitioning over into this digital camo theme for this year and, and moving forward, so we've been working on the new digital camo glasses here lately. We've been working on dialing them things in, and I'm pretty excited about how they turn out. They should be in stores in February. They should ship in February, so be looking for them also. Yeah, man. Well, I think you've got a real progressive look, obviously you know coming from motocross you're a flat brim guy too right oh yeah that's right so he's Take got a lot the, of heat for it but <laughs> that's all good there's more coming into the bass fishing world no doubt rather than the uh the curled brim but uh, a lot of you guys are starting we just, we just got to get kurt to give up his trucker cap <laughs> yeah. hey man i'm kind of i'm kind of in between <laughs> I don't have the, I've seen I don't have the super kind of flat before. Yeah, it's kind of flat. I mean, it's not like straight, but it's not super trucker. Come on, Aaron. Cut me some slack here, dude. Yeah, yeah. Come- you're just like me. Your head's too big. You can't you can't pull off the flat bill, man. I'm from Virginia, not West Virginia, okay? <laughs> uh, we'll leave that one alone. <laughs> all right, all right. Before we go to break, I want to throw this out there. You know, Major League Fishing released that we had an event there this past year in Young town ohio fletcher and i fished the uh, major league fishing selects events and you got an email just like me a couple weeks before the event we're going to youngstown ohio what is the pressure like knowing that you get to fish kind of at least in some locale of where you grow up and dealing with being kind of that hometown pressure going into that event yeah i remember we was actually sitting in the meeting and uh, Randy, who was head of the meeting there, Randy Coleman, said, uh, our next location, guys, I'm going to go ahead and tell you now. Fletcher, you're my pick to win this. I'm, I'm just thinking, are we going to Sandusky, Ohio, probably? I mean, it has to be. You know, and he finally left it out, says Youngstown, Ohio. And, man, I did not like it one bit because that's right. close to my house. But the lake's up there for the most part. There is one decent lake up there. But for the most part, the lakes aren't any good. And I don't ever fish up there. Like, I've fished up there a couple of times. Like, I think I've literally been to every lake but one that we could go to. But I, I had been to one either one or two times tops. And every right. time that I've been there, I had jumped in with another buddy to fish a tournament. Everyone expected me to have this huge advantage, and I felt like I kind of knew the lay of the land. But you would probably know just as much about it as me as soon as you took the boat and did your 15-minute ride to. And the fact that everyone was expecting me to win whenever I really didn't feel like I had an advantage, that added a lot of pressure. So it was kind of a negative feeling, you know, like, Everyone's like, oh, man, you're full of it. You, you know, you've fished here before. I'm like, no, really, I haven't. It ended up turning out okay. 
but it was definitely nerve-wracking leading up to that event. I mean, I felt like winning would be expected. Maybe I shouldn't have had that feeling, but that's not a good feeling to have. You bet. Just like Randy said before he even announced that he was already picking you just because it was in your neck of the woods. And uh, I can totally relate. Dealing with that stress and that pressure is really difficult, especially once you get into town and you think, okay, well, you know, the game is here. And every one of these other 23 guys that are fishing this event think I ought to be the one coming out on top. And whether you know where the lakes might be or or some of the areas around that we might go to, everybody else is just thinking, dude, if Fletcher doesn't win, he's done for, dude. <laughs> but everybody's out right. for blood at the same time. So uh, it's yeah. going to be interesting to watch how this whole thing boils down next year when it airs on the Outdoor Channel. Obviously, I'll be following. I know Aaron's going to be following. Hopefully, all the Bass Edge listeners out there will watch and see how that whole thing breaks down. Let's take a quick break in the action. Stay tuned as Bass Edge Radio will be back in a moment. Eventually, it's going to happen. You'll turn the key and your engine won't start. Don't lose your ability to get around. Visit O'Reilly Auto Parts for a super start battery. Whether it's a reliable economy, hardworking premium, or powerful extreme, you'll find it at an everyday low price. Don't let a dead battery slow you down. Visit O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Bass Edge, presented by MegaWare Keelguard, returns with professional angler Fletcher Schreierock in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. Lucas Oil high-performance marine products, from real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturers' requirements. Visit them at lucasoil.com. It works. Fletcher, it's obvious you're from Ohio. You talked about a little bit earlier. Everybody kind of throws you in that Lake Erie mix, but you do live a couple hours away. Same time, let's face it, you've shown your expertise on the Great Lakes, particularly Lake Erie area in these last few years with super high finishes in the Elite Trail and in the open events. What is it that you're looking for when you're searching for smallmouth and open water? You know, there's a lot of things there on that lake that make it tricky. And in the last couple of years, we've had a uh, algae bloom on Lake Erie. And this really just turns the bite off. I don't think the fish can see near as well. They get sucked right to the bottom. And it's really hard for them to see your bait. And I just think it, it kills their aggression level. You know, smallmouth typically in clear water are super aggressive. For instance, whenever I would come up to St. Clair every day in the Bassmaster Elite Series tournament out of St. Clair, I'd run down to Lake Erie. Well, I'd come back to St. Clair. I had a few areas that I could stop at that had a lot of fish. And, I, and once I would see one on the graph, I could drop my bait down to that fish and catch it off my graph. On Lake Erie, I can hardly see a fish on my graph down there. I've really had to learn how to fish for them. That's something I've had to learn the last couple of years with the algae bloom. And it also makes it really hard for them to find because you used to be able to idle around out there and actually see the fish. And obviously, you just turn around and fish. I mean, it was extremely easy. It was, it was pretty stupid, really. Right. Now, with the algae bloom, I'm pretty certain they stick to the bottom. And, and anymore, I'm more searching for the structure that those fish are relating to. I just have a lot of waypoints up there individual isolated rock piles or there might be an area that's got a lot of rock piles or just a lot of rock in general and there's maybe only a few areas that you can really catch them on there might be a couple sweet spots in those areas and i'm just basically with experience and spending a whole lot of time side imaging up there I just have a lot of spots to run to until i run into a couple groups of them it's pretty well how it's been i mean it's really not something you're going to go up there and do you know in two or three days i mean me and my brother both have spent weeks up there 
there, not right. taking a fishing rod and just idling and idling and idling. And you start to fall asleep and you back up the Laurentian as far back <laughs> as you can, you know, and see if you miss a little isolated rock pile and then you just keep on idling. And it seems like every day that we would do that, you know, you'd only find one or two spots a day, all day, and you'll fish it that day and never catch anything and think, oh, this is worthless. Why did I waste my time on this today? And then you'll go back there, you know, two months later and there'll be a school of smallmouth on it. That's the often rewarding part of it is because who knows when that is going to, you know, if there's structure, right, eventually, if you check that throughout the different conditions, at some point in time, right. that will come back in and be a viable part of your arsenal. Hey, speaking of, you know, kind of that area in the Great Lakes, there's quite a bit of a growing largemouth population in that area. What type of fisheries are they, and what are your favorite tactics before the water goes to ice in the early winter months? Um, up there, there's a lot of different ways you can catch them largemouth. It's actually really ridiculous. As comparison to all the other lakes we have in Ohio for largemouth fishing, everybody goes to Lake Erie. And that's one concern I have a little bit is since we have terrible fishing for the most part everywhere, there's been a ton <laughs> of pressure up on Lake Erie in all those bays and all those harbors. You can hardly go in there and catch a largemouth without it having a hole in its mouth. That's kind of a concern I have. And obviously the biologists are saying they're thriving, so that's good. I personally don't like to fish largemouth that much. If I'm going to take the drive up there, take the trip up there, I make sure the winds are right. And uh, I head out to look on my Lorant side scan for hours or to go up there and poke around with the smallmouth a little bit. But I mean, this time of year, it's still kind of warm here right now, but you can catch them really good on a jig or even just a standard, you know, Texas rig tube, hopping it off the rocks, you know, fishing boat docks and things like that. Rattle trap has also worked extremely well up there for me. Square bill crankbaits off the rocks. And there's a lot of different ways to catch them largemouth. If there's ever like a technique that I want to try to tone in on a little bit, typically I take it up there and do some largemouth fishing because it gives me confidence. If you can't take a bait up there and catch a fish, you're doing something wrong. And uh, <laughs> because there's so many, no, I'm serious. It's a great way to learn new techniques and get a feel for what you need to be doing when you go to other lakes that are, you know, a lot tougher to catch one. You know, if you can't maximize catching them there, figure out how to catch a bunch of them on that technique or figure out the nuances there. I mean, there's really no better other place to do it than that place for sure. They actually have largemouth-only tournaments up there. Sometimes the largemouth-only tournaments creep into 21, 22 pounds, you know? I mean, they catch nice. the sacks up there. That's freaking awesome. You talked a little bit earlier about some of the water quality, but specifically the clarity, that it was decreased clarity in Lake Erie. So let's talk about that real quick. The water okay. clarity in Lake Erie, is that making you change some of your colors or is that making you change some of your presentations? And also, if you can relate relate that as well to some of the largemouth water up there. Is that water clear or, or less clear? And how do you adapt to the different water clarities that you deal with up there in the Lake Erie region? Whenever the water's clear for the largemouth, it's definitely a finesse deal. You wouldn't think much of catching 20 pounds on finesse or tackle up there because the largemouth are, you know, obviously big. But I've done more damage whenever the water's clear on just a simple Yamamoto shad-shaped worm on a drop shot or a little three or four inch sink on a drop shot, uh, shaky head, things like that typical clear water stuff. But when that algae bloom comes in and that water gets dirty or maybe you get a wind that muddies up the bank the south shore down there around Sandusky, you can go to, you know, a square bill, a rattle trap style base and they crush it. As soon as that water turns clear, they're over. If you can throw out there and crank your square bill back and you can see your square bill coming back, you might as well just put it away for the day and get out the finesse gear. So <laughs> it definitely kind of depends on that algae bloom. And so the smallmouth, you kind of have to fish for them a whole lot more than what I used to. I mentioned seeing them with my electronics and then turn 
and then I used to literally be able to drive over a spot, see two, three, four, five of them, you know, drop a waypoint on them, turn right back around and catch every single one of them. And now you just kind of have to know the likely areas that they get in and sit back and fish for them and fish for them thoroughly. I just think because of the fact that they cannot see, they're stuck on the bottom. And if they can't see your little drop shot bait, they're not going to run over there and get it. So you've got to really hit them in the face with it and, and just really slow down. So it took a while for me to understand that for sure. I know the first event we had at St. Clair in the Elite Series in 2013, I went into that event with a lot of confidence that I was going to go down and fish Erie. And I didn't have that much experience. you got to remember, guys, you know, I started fishing in 2009. So I've got experience on Lake Erie, but, I mean, there's a lot of other people that had more, right? Sure. Sure. But I oh, still yeah. felt good about it, and I got up there, and that algae bloom was so thick. I'm like, what is this? This is not good. Right, so right. I started fishing, and I kept idling and idling and idling and running around looking. I could not find them, and I didn't have the patience at that point. You know, in the Elite Series tournament, that's another thing about it. Two and a half days of practice really starts to force you to make things happen in a hurry. In my opinion, you don't have much time to experiment. I didn't slow down the fish. I just kept running around, running around, running around. I think I was going to find a school like I was used to seeing them. It never really worked out. I learned the hard way on that one. So I spent a lot of time after that event figuring out what went wrong. And, and basically, that's whenever I figured out that you've got to fish for them things once that algae gets real thick like that. It's got to be dark underneath that surface of that algae. Well, obviously, it's paid off because the last several events we've been there, you've been lighting it up. So that's pretty yeah, awesome. thank you. It'd be nice to get a win up there someday before it's all said and done. We'll see. <laughs> well, if the track record's any indication, it's probably coming pretty soon. So hopefully that'll work well, out you. for you. Um, <laughs> thank you. Hey, you know, obviously, Ohio... Dude, it gets freaking cold up there in the winter, right? Let's talk a little bit about how you spend your winter months. And at the same time, let's talk about some of this GoPro stuff. Seems like you and your brother, you've got a brother that's in the fishing. His name's Hunter, right? And uh, yeah, you, got it. you guys are shooting videos and laying some stuff out, dude. If no one's ever seen it, Fletcher, tell us about the video process, where people can check those things out, and what you guys are doing up there to make such awesome videos. Well, thank you so much. I mean, most of it really, man, is my brother's deal. We started both, uh, you know, a couple years ago, dabbling with the GoPro cameras and things and starting to edit some fish catches and stuff like that. And my brother's always been, even in school, he was always real big into art. You know, he was always real good artist. And the reason why I say that is when someone actually sees his videos, it's an art. You know, it's not something that can be taught. You can't go to school and learn, like, his style of how he makes his videos. I and mean, if you guys want to check the videos out, he's got his own YouTube page. He's also on Facebook, Hunter Shryock Fishing. YouTube channel is Hunter Shryock Fishing, or also, I believe, his company name is actually 496 Films. And he just started on his own. He's never went to college to learn any of the editing software or anything like that. He's really killing it with the stuff he's coming out with, you know, using drones. He keeps getting better and better equipment every year. I don't know how much better he's going to get than what he's already had. I mean, he's talking about buying one of the most expensive production cameras that money can buy. And pretty soon, <laughs> if he does that, it's going to up the game. I mean, especially when you really watch, when you watch the videos, you want to watch them in HD, you know, high definition. Right. And I think when once he gets this newest camera, it's going to really blow some people away, the type of stuff that he's going to be able to shoot. But we've had a lot of fun with that. The biggest thing with me and him is just trying to come up with the time to get all this stuff done. Because once the year starts, it's hard for me and him both because he fishes all of the Bassmaster Opens, uh, all nine of those events. 
Is his ambition to uh, qualify for the Elite Series as well? Yes, that's his plan is to qualify for the Elites. I mean, he's got support through Pure Fishing with Abu Garcia and Spiderwire, uh, Under Armour. You know, some of the same sponsors that I have is also right. supporting him. And that's his goal is to make the Elite Series. But personally, you know, Big Brother's looking at how well he's doing with the videos. I hate to see him drop the videos to go fishing because he's definitely got a talent with that. But what I was mentioning earlier, it's just hard for us to get together throughout the year. When I'm fishing all my Elite Series events, pre-practice trips, Major League Fishing events, all the appearances, it's hard for us to meet up with him being gone all the time. And then now he's got obligations with his sponsors to shoot videos. I hardly ever see my brother anymore. But this winter, he's actually with Ike right now for a week filming some stuff that Ike and Ellie's going to be coming out with. So when we finally get settled in, December, January, February, we're going to go to Florida and uh, shoot a bunch of really cool stuff. I think that's going to be the best time of year to be in Florida and to catch the Giants. So we're going to get down there and get a lot of, hopefully a lot of content for some upcoming pretty sweet videos. That's good because if you were going to stay in Ohio, I was thinking you're going to be videoing some snow angels or something. <laughs> exactly. We, we've shot some stuff in Ohio, but it really tests his skills on how he can push it to make it look cool because. We can have a good day up here, and it's subpar anywhere else. Uh, Especially in late December and January. That'd be real. You'd be ice fishing, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. We'd have the driller out. <laughs> <laughs> well, yep. Fletcher, we've got a listener question segment, so we're going to get this going. It's brought to us by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. This question was sent in by Steve Thatcher, and Steve asks, air temperatures are 45 to 55 degrees, 10 to 15 mile an hour winds, somewhat muddy water. What strategy or pattern would you suggest for bass both from a boat and from shore? I think uh, you're talking this time of year, you, you know, you're talking late fall and the water's starting to cool off. I like to go to a uh, tight wobble and uh, crankbait this time of year. And a lot of times the bass are still going to be shallow, you know, until that water gets way down into the 45 degree temperature and you start just getting them really cold days. You're still going to find a lot of bass, a lot of big bass up in the shallows. I think a tight wobbling, either square bill or shallow running uh, crankbait will do the trick in that dirty water. You know, maybe possibly parallel on the banks or cranking the crankbait around timber or dock pilings and things like that. The tight wiggling crankbait, the fish reacted a lot better whenever the water's colder. So when things are cooling down, I like to go to that tight wobble crankbait. Over the wide wobble, that's better when the water's a lot warmer, when the fish are more active. Would that also apply from the shoreline as well, Fletcher? Yeah, absolutely. Whenever you're on the shoreline, um, it's actually perfect on the shoreline because you could actually walk up and down the bank, find maybe a rocky bank and cast parallel, or maybe even at a 45-degree angle out into the lake and then drag it. And try to be bumping the rocks with that crankbait as you retrieve it back, and uh, you should have some success doing that this time of year. Yeah, good stuff there. Thanks, Steve, for sending in that question, and be sure to email us at support at BassEdge.com and let us know that you heard Fletcher answer your question here on the show and we will send out that $100 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. Well, hey, Fletcher, man, it has really been an informative show. I really appreciate you taking the time to visit with us here on Bass Edge Radio. You got any final thoughts for the listeners today? No, I don't, man. I think we uh, touched on a lot of things. I appreciate you guys for having me on. Well, Fletcher, we certainly look forward to seeing you at the top of the standings in 2016. We will also be sure to check out and encourage all of Bass Edge Nation to check out the products there at not only at Walmart, but also those videos that you've been working on with your brother. Bass Edge Nation, we will return right after these messages. This is 2015 Bass Angler of the Year, Aaron Martins, and you're tuned in to Bass Edge Radio.
Now you can order Bass Edge Season 3 on DVD. Own the best resource for tips and techniques in bass fishing as host Aaron Martin tackles lakes across the country with the industry's top pro anglers, including Denny Brower, Boyd Duckett, Randy Howell, and Dave Wolak. This two-disc set includes all 13 episodes. That's over 10 hours of Bass Edge, including interviews, bloopers, and highlights, all for just $19.95. Order online at BassEdge.com. And be sure to check out previously released DVDs like Bass Edge Seasons 1 and 2 and Electronics 101. Bass Edge, Season 3, now on DVD at BassEdge.com. There you have it. Shryock, bringing a little edge to the bass fishing world, dude. Gotta love the flat brimmers, bringing all the new styles, dude. Love all the stuff that he's doing with spider wire and a boo. Great interview. Really enjoyed talking to Fletcher. Absolutely. And, you know, certainly having roots in common of him being a motocross racer and then into fishing. Obviously, that was my path, certainly on a much lower level. But it was neat to hear how that segued and how that prepared him, not only from a skill level. I did find it kind of amusing, though that, uh, you know, he hurt his shoulder racing motocross, so he went to fishing, and I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, um, how's that going to work? How can you cast with your shoulder? But I thought he did a great job of <laughs> delivering the goods, and I also really enjoyed the story about his sponsorship. You know, in motocross, those are expected to find you. That didn't happen, but it was kind of the flip-flop then when he got into the fishing. Yeah, the sponsor thing is a crazy deal, and I'm sure his motocross knowledge helped him be prepared for other business ventures such as professional fishing, and man, to really just jump out and have the success like he did. Like, you know, hey man, I just started fishing. A couple years later, I decided to swing some opens and whammy, I won it. <laughs> Went to the Elite Series, qualified through another division, made some good money the first couple years, and he's off and running. Now he's got a product line in Walmart. Bass Edge Nation, if that's your interest, there is a success story for you, man. You could be the next Fletcher Shryock out there. Really cool stuff, man. Very, very cool stuff. And speaking of cool stuff, man, what a year. It's unfortunately the last episode, as we've mentioned numerous times, but just really want to throw out a thanks to all of Bass Edge Nation. Kurt, hard to believe, man, how long we have been at this. And, uh, you know, I guess time will tell here in a couple weeks. We'll know where we rank. Certainly kind of still hanging on to that uh, number one in the bass fishing podcast space. And that is only possible as a result of our listeners. So anything you want to throw out there before we shut down 2015? Yeah, man, obviously big happy holidays again to everybody. And enjoy the time with your family, friends. If you get a chance to cast the line, make it happen, man. This is a fun time of year to fish. No question about that. Man, I just look forward to 2016 and hopefully all the listeners continue to follow us and uh, stay tuned to Bass Edge Radio. I know that Aaron and I really enjoy putting this show on for everybody. And uh, like I said, you know, when it comes down to it, sometimes you want to shed a tear, but with a big smile. Bass Edge Radio, it's a lot of fun and I'm uh, just really happy to be a part of it. Absolutely. And I think I speak for all of us, including Steve Leslie, Matt Wilson, and Travis Whitener from all of us at Bass Edge Radio. I am Aaron Martin. Have a wonderful and safe holiday season. We'll see you on the other side January 1st, 2016. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard keel protectors. 
Edge is presented by KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil Products, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lowrance, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.